Welcome back to 60 Minutes Spill. We are here with episode seven. Today, we're going to be discussing the benefits of failed relationships. And with me today, I have my best friend, Sarah. Hi, hi, Sarah. Say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Happy to be on. <laughs> yeah, this, this episode, our recording together, everything has been long awaited because everyone knows Sarah is my best friend in the world. And they think it's funny. Like you've had everyone on, but Sarah, what's going on? When is Sarah going to make her debut on 60 minutes spill? And the fact of the matter is she's just literally the busiest person I know. And we just have had a rhythm here at 60 minutes spill where all the episodes have just been going according to plan. I'm kind of a stickler. I've been wanting to like stick to the agenda. And so her time has finally come and I'm hoping for lots of other great conversation with you, Sarah. So hopefully you enjoy your time here at 60 minutes spill. Um, how are you feeling? <laughs> feeling good. It's like privileged to be on this episode. What? <laughs> <laughs> privileged. Guys, when I say Sarah's busy, I mean, she's busy. I mean, from the moment this woman's feet hit the ground in the morning, like she doesn't rest. She's constantly doing something. She's just good under pressure. And she's one of those people that likes to like be go, go, go all the time. I am the complete opposite. I interact with people for like three hours and I need like five to seven business days to recover. And we always joke about how different we are. Um, but yeah, she's definitely a people person. My kids love her more than they love me. My friends have started to love her more than they love me. So I'm happy to share you um, with our audience. But today we're going to be talking about benefits of failed relationships. And what I think is interesting about this particular topic is Sarah, unlike most of my close friends, um, is a friend that I made later in my life. Um, I act like I'm so old, but what I mean is most of my close friends I met either in my childhood and I've carried them on into my adult life or I've met them like in the workplace or when I was in college. Um, but Sarah's just one of those random friends that I came across when I was in my early twenties, we met through a mutual friend, shout out Yvette, if you're listening, um, on social media of all places, so random. And we both had little girls. We were both young moms and we just hit it off and have been inseparable ever since. So it's, it's been pretty interesting to watch each other grow up and grow up together really as mothers, as um, now parents of three, we both each have three children. It's pretty cool. Um, we knew each other when we got married, like everything, all those adult decisions that we had to make um, so early on in life. And we really um, had a front row seat at each other's relationships and how they've played out. And um, I'm just grateful that you're here willing to talk about this because it is kind of like, a, a who wants to look back and see, you know, things that didn't exactly go their way. Um, but yeah, Sarah's here and she's willing. So let's talk about failed relationships. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple, not many, a couple. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, one major difference between me and you, Sarah, is that Although we had our, our eldest children around the same time, um, you did choose to step away from that initial serious relationship, which was, which was the father of your first child. Um, and I ended up staying with the person I had my first child with 
So what was that dynamic like, like at such a young age and then having a child in the mix, like deciding that that relationship was no longer going to serve you and removing not only yourself, but your child from that, you know, do you look back now and think like, eesh, like that was like a tough decision, but in hindsight, I mean, look at everything you've accomplished since then and where you are today in your current marriage. How is it now looking back? Um, well, just to kind of give like a really quick feedback or, you know, what was going on with that relationship. Um, it was a very young relationship. I was just graduated um, high school and my daughter's father, he was still in high school. So um, he was actually a junior. So I guess I was rocking the cradle for a while. <laughs> Um, we're actually a whole year different, so it's not like a, a huge age gap, but, um, no judgment to those who are in age gap, um, you know, relationships, I'm totally for it. But, um, this specific relationship was very, very young. It was very new for both of us. I think we were each other's just first, um, first everything, you know what I mean? So it was just, um, at that moment when I, when I met him, you know, I was going into college and it just happened, you know, I, I ended up pregnant with my daughter and he was still in high school. You know, we were still having to deal with, you know, the dynamic of him going through graduation and, you know, his parents being involved. And it was, it was a lot to take in. And at that time I was growing up, I was already in college. Um, and then I got pregnant and I had to worry about everything that comes with being pregnant and being the a young mom. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately, you know, a couple of years down the road, it just didn't work out. And it was at the time, it was really hard for me. Um, but now, I mean, looking in hindsight, I just couldn't even imagine being in that relationship still because our, our goals were very different and just the way we do life. And so, um, you know, I met my husband years, years after that, that relationship. And so, um, my goal now, my goals now were very, are very different from what they were when I was 19, you know? Right. So, um, it was a young, it was a young relationship. I mean, I'm pretty sure the things that you wanted when you were 19 were completely different from now, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, everything you're saying, I'm just like nodding my head because, um, obviously my relationship was similar. Um, I was also what 17, 18 when I got pregnant with my oldest child and, um, I distinctly recall, you know, m both my mom and my husband's parents, well, he's now my husband at the time, he wasn't saying like, you guys are getting married, like, end of story, you know, this is the right thing to do. And I advocated for myself. And I remember standing up and saying, like, I cannot marry this guy. I do not want to have an unplanned child an unplanned marriage and this unplanned life. I do feel like that will definitely have negative, negative effects on the relationship if we're forced into marriage. Um, of course there's like religious and cultural aspects, like we're both Hispanic and we both grew up, you know, in the Rio Grande Valley. So there's other things that, uh, play into that. Um, but yeah, I had to definitely take a stand and say, this is definitely not what I want. You're off the hook. Don't worry. And I'm sure my husband was like, Whoo, you know, thank God at the time, because we were just so young to be making such, um, you know, impactful decisions, you know, things that would shape our future in that way. And so I'm proud of you, you know, for being young, but also being aware enough to recognize that you weren't your, what your wishes weren't aligned. And like, maybe the maturity level wasn't there either. Cause he was a little younger, which is understandable. And this is why 18 year olds shouldn't be having children. Right. But I mean, here we are. Um, so it definitely gives me, um, 
I connect with you a lot in that way. And it gives me a lot of like, um, excitement and like happiness. And it just makes me proud of that. Even at those young ages, we were able to advocate for ourselves in that way. But you listed many of the reasons just in your story of, you know, reasons why relationships fail. And clearly the younger you are, the, the higher the probability is that the relationship will fail because certain aspects of failed relationships are like lack of trust, poor communication. Um, maybe there's a lack of respect or difference in priorities, difference in goals. Um, there could even be some intimacy, you know, differences taking place. I mean, reasons why a relationship could fail are really endless. There are so many reasons why. And I think usually if there's just a few, it's easy to look past and say, well, this may not be going great, but this is all fine. So I'll stick it out. I feel like it's when a lot of different reasons are starting to pile up and either one or both parties decide this is not working anymore. So when you were younger and maybe that relationship or your, your few relationships that you had in your younger years, what were some of the main deal breakers for you, um, that you had to deal with in your few failed relationships prior to your marriage that you can recall? So one, like, I guess the most important one was infidelity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know re- referencing to your cheaters episode, mm-hmm. um, I was also affected by a cheater. <laughs> one of the classes that um, Casey mentioned, I don't even remember what type he was, but he was one of the many cheaters <laughs> that she listed. And so, um, that was probably the biggest one. I, I, they were still trying to grow up themselves at that time. And so definitely a cheater. I mean, I, I really can't even say it. I dealt with many cheaters that don't, not many, but you know, a couple. Yeah. And that's pretty much why those relationships didn't work out. Enough. Um, You've dealt with enough cheaters. <laughs> and so, Um, one in particular, I can just, I would say the most recent one, it just, for sure, that was definitely the top one, the cheating. And then his priorities were just different. You know, he was wanting to go to a bar every day, you know, and that just wasn't what I was about. You know, I was, I'm already growing up here with my daughter. I'm trying to find my way in my career path and going to a bar all the time, or, you know, having the happy hour drink couple times a week wasn't what it was in my agenda for my daughter and myself. So that relationship just didn't serve me and it wasn't appropriate for what I needed to provide for my daughter. So it just didn't work out. Right. And I think that that's also just a huge priority shift, you know, to begin with when you're not just dating for yourself, you're dating at and hoping to find a potential partner that can not only fit your life, but the life of your child. So that's like a separate set of challenges that you face when you're like out there you know, dating people. And I think the older you get and the more you explore your options, you know, people you meet either have children of their own or are divorced, you know, the pool gets smaller and smaller. Right. And, you know, I always told my mom, you know, when I had my child, um, I don't think now that I have a child of my own, if I were single, I, I could never see myself dating someone else with children. I just don't, know that I'm fully capable of loving someone else's child the way I love my own. And I just don't think that would be fair. And she's like, that's so wrong. Um, how would you feel if someone told you they wouldn't be willing to date you because of your child? I said, I would totally understand. I mean, granted, I've never been in that position, but at the same time, it is definitely a package deal, you know, that someone is inheriting when they date you. Clearly you met your husband and you guys, 
you know, made it work. And he's been an incredible stepfather to your oldest. So um, it it's, it's possible, but I do think that it comes with uh, more challenges. Um, but going back to your point about infidelity and definitely circling back to our cheating episode, because many of our listeners were extremely disappointed that we didn't touch more on you know, how that impacts your future relationships, like how having a failed relationship as a result of cheating affects your ability to trust again, affects, you know, your self-esteem and builds on insecurities and fear not listeners. We do have our cheating part two episode coming up because we did feel like we deserved like a deeper dive into the matter and the after effects. But I do think that that's one of the main benefits of a relationship failing in that aspect, because you start to learn, you know, what you're willing to put up with in future relationships and what, you know, what you don't want to put up with. Do you feel like now, even at the beginning of your current marriage, your relationship you're in now, do you feel like you had different standards than you did in your dating time previously? I'm most definitely I think those types of things, you know, especially infidelity that kind of carries on no matter where, I mean, no matter who you're with. I mean, of course. and I met my husband when we were first, first dating, I think I did carry that on with me and it did cause issues in the very beginning. You know, he, I, re, I specifically recall, he's like, I'm not, I'm not your ex-boyfriend. Like you really need to stop this. And those types of things just don't go away overnight. And oh, it's, sure. it's to say that it's, there's still a little PTSD that lingers in me. I think we all have a little bit of a toxic trait inside. If you've been cheated on that, you just kind of get really, you know, curious about things sometimes like, Oh, well, why did you do this? Or why did you do that? Yeah. But those types of things can really ruin a relationship. So it was something that I really had to work on, on myself, um, to, to not cause, you know, any harm in my current relationship now marriage. And so in, I mean, I'm not, not to get too, too deep, but even, um, I mean, it goes far as back. My, you know, my dad had cheated on my mom mm-hmm. and that type of thing really did scar me for life. I mean, yeah. it, I even, when I first met my husband, I, I did tell him, you know, this is what, this is what has carried on with me for so long. And this is why I'm like this. And not that I'm justifying being this, you know, crazy person, but you know, I do have sometimes, you know, these tendencies as we all have, you know, if you've, if you've dealt with some type of, you know, cheating or infidelity in your, in your relationship. And I mean, that wasn't just from an ex-boyfriend that was from a family member, you know, my, you know, my father doing that to my mother and seeing everything that she's gone through. So those types of things would really, really, you know, they really do affect you. Right. And I think that we did kind of cover that in the cheating episode about, how when you're engaging in like cheating acts, whether, and again, we did cover that men and women both cheat. So like if you're a mother, you know, and you're cheating on your husband and your children, you know, are end up finding out or vice versa. I don't think that in that moment, you're thinking clearly about how it's going to affect the way your children view future relationships. And you definitely are an example of how that can affect your ability to trust people because as a child looking up to your parents as role models, you would think, who could I trust more than my own parents? Right. And so if you see them being dishonest or disloyal, I mean, it really can put a lot of things into question for you. And only naturally would you begin to question relationships that you get into as an adult, because those are definitely things that, you know, you use the term like crazy. Um, 
you're obviously you're not crazy, but there is definitely a mental aspect of you that, that probably needs therapy, you know, to be able to unlearn, um, some of the things that unfortunately you learned watching as in your childhood. So I love that you're self-aware though. And I think that that's where a lot of people, um, fail themselves because they walk away from a relationship as a victim and they very much are. Um, but they should also look at it as an opportunity to establish what their new standards are. You know, like this is what happened to me in this previous relationship. I know for sure, I don't want this to happen to me again. Or if it does happen again, I know that that's a deal breaker for me. And that is where I will walk away. Um, and then I feel like people end up in cycles and you and I have touched a little on like having a type <laughs> and how some men and women feel like I just have the worst luck because I always end up with a cheater or I always end up with this super, you know, verbally abusive person or, you know, but I do think that a lot of it has to do with not searching for people outside of your comfort zone or like what your typical type would be. Do you feel like before you met your husband and you were kind of, you know, living the single life, did you have a type? Like, do you feel like you stuck to a certain, you know, criteria or were you kind of just open to whatever was coming your way? Like, what was it like when you were single? Do you remember? Um, I would definitely say I was, you know, how they always say like a marry a man, like your father, um, you know, my dad was in law enforcement. And so I tried to find, you know, the, these law enforcement individuals and it just never worked out with, you know, with those people. I mean, it, I have a friend who is just zoned in anything that has a badge, she's going for it and it just never works out for her, you know, and so I told her, I'm like, you need to stop, like meet someone at a, I don't know, at a coffee bar or even at a gym. I mean, I know I have some friends that are like, oh, they love the gym guy. And, you know, usually those boys are little fuck boys. I mean, I'm sorry, but if they're there all day and they're hitting on you and just they're, I don't know, that's just my opinion, but I mean, she is just like a, a serial like badge dater. And I said, you need to stop this, change your ways. And it may just work out for you, but she hasn't listened. But um, I think if you just kind of go out of your comfort zone and meet someone that you're just not really, not that, that, that you're into, but just someone that wasn't maybe your type at that, at that moment, it could really work out for you. I mean, when I met my husband, I mean, it was just kind of out of nowhere. We met on social media out of all places and it just kind of randomly happened. And um, it, he wasn't to say at that time, my type. And it's crazy now that I think about it because I just couldn't even imagine myself with anybody else but my husband because it's, I, I listen to, you know, some of my single friends and their stories and I'm just like, oh, like you need to stop this. Like, I don't know, go get on a dating app that's not Tinder. And maybe you may find the man of your life. Christian Mingle ladies. That's where it's on. What is it? Farmers.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I totally get what you're saying though. I think a lot of people are not willing to sacrifice that immediate physical attraction. Um, and they don't really place too much focus on like the intellectual attraction or like I don't know, morals and beliefs. And then those are things that come later and they don't align and they're shocked. And it's like, yeah, maybe if you would keep your eyes on who they are as a person rather than the physical attraction, but it's hard. We like what we like. Right. So I feel like one friend of mine, for example, 
she's just attracted to bad boys. Like, and when I say, and I joke with her, I'm like, Hey, we're in our thirties now. Like you just like bad men, <laughs> but she's like, Oh God, stop. But she's just attracted to like the asshole, you know, like the guy that's kind of rude and is like a little hard to get. And I think for her, she sees it like as a challenge and I'm like, great, but how attractive is that going to be when, when the relationship is a challenge, like how attractive is that going to be when he's an asshole to you in front of your children later, you know, like the, those things you need to think for the long term. And I think obviously every Everyone has different intentions. Like when they're out there dating, not everyone is dating to marry, but things end up getting serious. You have children, you end up buying a house together and, and then you end up committed to that person in ways you probably never thought were going to happen. So, um, I definitely think that breaking out of your normal, you know, taste in men or women, um, is a really great way at, you know, expanding that criteria. And like, if you've seen multiple relationships in the past fail, and if you can kind of notice things that these people have had in common, or like, you know, if you're going for a certain type of person and it's not working out, I do think there has to come a time if you are ready for a serious relationship to kind of expand that search. And then, you know, I feel like society and culture tell us that we need to find a person you know what I mean like there's so much pressure especially in our Hispanic culture if you're single and if you're in your 30s already mid to late 30s the first question is you novio, you know the boyfriend where you know when are you going to get married you haven't met anyone like there's just this heavy pressure and I don't know if that's just our culture or anyone who's not Hispanic that's listening can you tell me like is that every culture is that just us but I do think that there's like this heavy burden um, that we carry to like find our person. And so I feel like every time we dive into a relationship and it doesn't work out, it's like another chip on the shoulder, you know, like, great, that didn't work out. No one wants me. I mean, there are negative feelings of regret, heartache, and sometimes even depression um, that take a toll on us when a relationship fails. Can you think back to a time where, a relationship ended for you and it felt like it was the end of the world have you ever been through a heartache similar to that yeah absolutely I mean we all have I think at one point in mm -hmm. our lives um I would definitely say I, the biggest heartbreak at that time was with my daughter's father and I think it was more because you know I you know I wanted to stay together for my daughter's sake I didn't want her to grow up without her dad in her life and I think that like, like you go back to saying like, oh, you know, your families are going to be disappointed. And it was almost, you know, it was, I didn't ex explain it, but it was almost to a point where it was just like, man, I, what am I going to do? Like, I'm going to show up to my family dinner or my family's party without a dad. You know, I'm going to be that person, single mom at 20 years old with just her daughter. So I think we all have to live up. I mean, in our culture, we have this expectation where we have to have this family and, you know, we have to have our shit together. And I was only 20 years old. I mean, I had a baby at 19. I didn't really, I didn't have my shit together until I was maybe in my late twenties. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, you know, you have all these expectations that we have to meet, but definitely um, that heartbreak was hard on me. And I think it was just more because I didn't want to see my daughter grow up without her dad, but you know, like everyone says, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, years later, I, did, I, I met my husband and um, at the time, you know, I mean, it's been 10 years. So 10 years ago, I met him and, you know, it just kind of worked out from there. So 
there is hope ladies or gentlemen, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think that, um, you brought up a really good point and we talked about it a little while ago, you know, those added pressures of being a parent, I feel like when a relationship fails and it doesn't even have to be the father of the child, like you could be in another relationship where your significant other and your child form a bond. And then when that doesn't work out, you're like, great, <laughs> here we go again, you know, having to let the child down. Um, and I think a lot of people stay entangled in like relationships like that longer than they need to, because of fear of not only failing the relationship, but feeling like they're failing the child as well. And I don't think that anything good ever comes out of staying stuck in those cycles. And I honestly like commend you for removing yourself at a young age because you easily could have stayed in that relationship way longer. And I feel like the longer you would have waited, the uglier it could have gotten, you know, like when you would have eventually decided to leave. Um, so, I mean, good for you in that aspect, but with children or without, I do think that a lot of people view failed relationships as an actual failure. Um, and in that moment, whether it's because they're heartbroken or, you know, it took them so long to leave and they finally left. Like, I don't, I don't know if they're necessarily, you know, seeing things clearly, like you can't see the initial benefit of the relationship failing right away. Um, it takes a while, you know, there are things that I did when I was in my early mid twenties, that, I mean, I look back on today and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's silly. Like I thought that it was the end of the world, you know, and it was just a part of the process of getting me where I am now. And thank God, you know? Um, and I'm like, I could have probably gotten out of that a lot more quickly, but you know, we each have to make our own mistakes in order to learn from them. Um, but yeah, failed relationships are not always failures. Um, they're technically opportunities you know, for growth and, you know, mistakes that you've made in previous relationships, sometimes they are repeated in future relationships. And I feel like being able to not only recognize how that person failed you, but how you felt them as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you, can you think of any relationships that you've been in where it didn't work out and you were kind of to blame too, or do you feel like it's always been on the other person? It was always the other person. <laughs> Perfect. I'm such a perfect. You're like, you know, I'm perfect. Why would you try calling me out like that? <laughs> I mean, I think it just kind of goes back to what I mentioned before. I mean, having those trust issues and I, I'm not going to lie. I really had a really toxic point in my life where yeah. I was with a crazy girlfriend and I'm sure my husband's like listening. He's like, she's still crazy. But <laughs> yeah. you know, um, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't say like I'm, I'm some to blame, but I think it just goes, it boils down to my trust issues. I think right. I just, you know, going through phones and going through social media and doing all the really toxic things that girls do, or I mean, yeah. most girls do. I don't know if anybody doesn't do it when they're getting cheated on. If you, if you don't, you're kind of abnormal. It's kind of hard not to want to do these things, you know? Okay, yeah. And so I, I, again, I think it was just a really toxic point in my life where I think I was some to blame and maybe that person just you know what if you know if she thinks I'm cheating I'm just gonna cheat on her you know so yeah. I think and one specific occurrence I can really or relationship I can think of it I was maybe partial to blame of what happened there you know what I mean yeah. and so um again we're all a work in progress and if I'm able to you know identify these issues carrying on um it's just hard you know but um I think I'm better now 
I definitely, I know that you're better. Like you're a totally different person and so am I. And my sister always attacks me and says, what do you know? You were like a child bride. You've been in the same relationship since you were like two. I'm like, you need to chill. First of all, it is true. I have been in a very long relationship, but we have failed each other multiple times in multiple different ways. Um, and so sometimes I feel like I've been in multiple different relationships because I've gone through several different phases and I have different versions of myself. And so has he. And so looking back, I mean, obviously sometimes we're uglier than others, but we have conversations all the time about some of our worst years and how we're no longer those people anymore. And I have to like do some self-reflection my, you know, on my own and say like, oh my gosh, I would have probably left me then. And he does the same. And so the only difference is obviously for whatever reason, we've ended up always back together and like choosing to work on the relationship, but it doesn't mean we've you know, never failed. We have. Um, and I think that that is another huge benefit of having a relationship fail is that opportunity to like check yourself, you know, and say, Hey, like when you're done with the tears and, you know, playing victim, you can look back and say, wow, I was pretty shitty to that person. Like, what was I thinking? You know, in that time, I really thought I was right. Or, you know, again, cheating is never justified, but you may be able to say like, wow, you know, I really wasn't delivering, you know, on my end of the relationship, or maybe my trust issues did drive my significant other to do this or that. And I think that that growth is what you're able to carry on to future relationships. And how would you ever notice those toxic traits about yourself that are really deep down within you, whether somebody caused them to be there or whether internally from your childhood, like you said, they they are stemming from something deeper. Um, you need an opportunity for those traits to be exposed in order to be able to change. And so I think that those are some of the, you know, when we're talking cheating or trust, you don't want to have trust issues later in life. Okay. Because you're running out of time. We're all on a ticking time, you know, on a clock that's an hourglass that you can't turn around and start over. So that is one of the benefits of like exploring relationships earlier in life. Although it does come with higher predisposition to depression and, you know, trust issues and things of that nature, you have a jump start. You have an early start on being able to say, okay, I tried this. I tried that. I tried this type of person. You know, I'm not into the law enforcement thing anymore or whatever. And you're able to learn and you're able to discover things about yourself, even that you don't want to carry on to future relationships. And so even though we are who we are, and there may still be things that we're working on, like you in your current marriage, there's definitely things I'm still working on. Um, things that I try to continuously unlearn that I picked up in my childhood or whatever. Um, but would you agree? Like, that's one of the main perks is like, you can fully be yourself now and recognize how you don't want to be in your current marriage. Do you feel that way? Absolutely. I think my husband would agree too that. Yeah. I mean, we've seen each other grow up through the last couple, you know, decade. Yay. And so who I was 10 years ago when I first met him, definitely not that person. Yeah. And, um, I think I'm a better person now because 
it, it was rough. I mean, it, it was rough. It was almost so bad, like how much I brought that baggage over to this current relationship that there was a really rocky point where we're just, he was just like, I'm fed up. Like I'm done. Yeah, you know? I you. So I had to kind of get my shit together and like, okay, Sarah, you know, cut your shit or this isn't going to work out. And so, and this is, has been the best, you know, the best relationship that I've had ever. And this could really ruin, you know, a really good thing. So I, I did make, you know, appropriate changes that were needed for the relationship. And um, I think we're in a better place now. Now for I know. Sure. Yeah. And that's just another benefit of Feld relationships is like, now, not only do you have that self-awareness, you try harder, like you're willing to put in the work that maybe back then you were too stubborn to admit, you know, that there was no real rationalization for the way that you were acting. And I have found that in myself, you know, certain little arguments that I used to strike up over the most petty thing, you know, from our past. Um, it's like, what does it matter now? Or like, what am I going to get out of bringing that up? You know, like, wow, it's not going to make me feel good. It's not going to make him feel good. And now we have all these kids in the backseat. Like, you know, just those little petty arguments are no longer, there's no space for them anymore. You start to pay attention to the good things that you have going for your relationship. And like that little voice in your head, that's wanting you to like <laughs> get triggered or start up a little argument. Like you're able to silence that voice much more easily because of that growth that you've experienced. And so, um, you know, in terms of like that, you know, trust and, um, you know, baggage that you carry over from other relationships and, you know, those little habits that you have. I do think that that is a huge benefit is being able to do that self-reflecting, being able to recognize, like, I don't want to carry that in this relationship. It's too heavy. You know what I mean? Like, and we're happy, you know, being able to notice those things, it definitely gives you like a newfound appreciation for your new relationships. Cause it's like, wait, why am I worried about that? We actually don't have those problems. I can let that rest, you know? So that's definitely um, something I see in myself. It's something I see in you. And I'm sure everyone who's listening can relate. Um, and then most importantly, you set new standards for yourself. That's another huge benefit of failed relationships. We talked about it already. You know, things that when you were younger, you thought you could maybe look past. Now it's like, no, I know what I'm worth. And I know what I want out of my marriage that I'm currently in. And so I don't think that you would have even considered getting engaged or marrying your husband if you felt like he couldn't deliver on the things previous relationships failed you on. You know what I mean? Um, right. do, you, do you feel the same? Yeah, definitely. When I met, um, when I met my husband, I, it, it, like I said, it was just out of nowhere. He was completely different from who I've ever met in my life. And he's just a different individual in general and his goals, like he, he and it's funny because he, I always let him know, like I always tell him, like, I never believed anything you told me because I just thought it was all BS. And it was all true. Like everything that he said he was going to do his goals. And I, I mean, it was, it was great, you know? And I think previous relationships, they were just like, okay, with just being like, this is my job and that's all I'm ever going to do you know, sure. and the person I am now, like, we want to like conquer the world. And I want to be the president of the United States. You know what I mean? Yes. No, no, you don't. I'm, Trust no, me, I don't. Don't. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I could definitely see your husband being the president of the United States. <laughs> but like, how was I, like, I look back and I'm like, how was I ever dating like these 
like no like people with like no brains I mean I wasn't yeah. dating idiots but like yeah. with like just mediocre people and I just I don't think my husband's a mediocre person so Aww. yeah yeah <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no I definitely um I definitely see that in you guys and I've definitely watched both of you you know become I don't know a different version of yourselves and I'm sure you guys have witnessed changes in us too along the way as we've all been friends. And so that makes me really happy. So that's definitely an added benefit of previous relationships not working out and um, getting you to a point where you are able to recognize like, okay, you know, this is a priority for me in my relationship. I have goals. You either need to get on board and respect the goals that I have set for myself and join me in them or, you know, simultaneously be able to achieve your goals. Um, or this is not going to work. And I think that you guys have very much like matched each other's mindset, you know, in that way. And I think that that's definitely for me would be a deal breaker if I were single in today's day and age, because um, a good example is uh, I was recently traveling and I always love to get chatting with my like Lyft drivers or whoever's, you know, around me. I love to meet people. And we were talking and he was telling me that, um, you know, he spent eight years living in Washington and like now he's living in California and he's just like a really bright guy. And I'm like, what's your story? Like, why are you not married yet? Can I ask? Like, do you prefer the single life? I just don't know what life is out, out there in the world, like being single, like anymore, you know, and he's just like, you know, it's, I'm not going to lie. It's been very challenging meeting someone who matches my potential. And I know that that sounds bad. I'm like, no, it doesn't sound bad at all. Like, I respect that. He's like, yeah, I just, most of the girls I meet that are my age, you know, I think I want to say he's like late 20s he's like they're just still out partying you know they're still out you know figuring out who they are and that's okay but like I feel like I'm a step ahead already and so it would be a disservice to me and to them you know to get into a relationship knowing like I know we don't align and I thought that that was really respectable you know because like you said back in the day you're dating and you felt like you were like probably in an alternate universe, like I have all these goals and all these visions for my future. What's going on with you? Like, why don't you have that? And so it can feel kind of hopeless, you know, if you've been, you know, coming out of failed relationships and then it's like, great in this day and age, where do I meet someone like-minded who has, you know, similar hopes for the future as I do. So um, I really am curious, like, I want to talk to our audience. I know Casey is single, Taylor single. I've had them on. Um, we're going to talk more about it to gauge our like single audience, but the heck do people do nowadays? Sarah, could you imagine me and you out there right now? We would be, <laughs> we actually went to like a, like we had gone out with like a, a double date with another couple and we went to like a local like bar scene that kind of had like a club feel to it. Yeah. And I, you know, you could tell who are the single people out there. And for sure. I'm, yeah. I'm just like, ew, like I can't even imagine being single right now. Like I couldn't imagine being that girl at that club, like trying to meet a guy because there was no potentials out there. Like, yeah. I'm like, like this, is this it? Like I hope I never like divorced my husband because there's not much out there, ladies. It's it's, yeah. it's it's running thin. The water's running dry. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There are multiple kinds of droughts going on out there, but yeah, no, I do think that, um, you know, coming out of failed relationships, I can see why people can, you know, push to make something work, even though it's past failure, you know, because it's that fear of, you know, not being able to find someone else. And so I do think that, um, while having a relationship fail does kind of refine your search a little and like, 
filter out, you know, the things, you know, that don't work for you, it does make it more challenging because as a result, you're like, okay, now I know I can't be with this kind of person that didn't work out. Um, so I think that another huge benefit of coming out of failed relationships, it's not only, like I said, gauging what you want and what you need in a person and a partner, but being able to sit with yourself for a minute, you know, and say, wait, like, what am I doing? Why do I keep ending up in these situations? And maybe I do need to look inward and figure out, you know, what's most important to me. And in some of my more bumpy times, like in my current relationship, I had to do that multiple times. I had to take a step away from the relationship and say, Hey, I've been in this relationship for so long. I'm very young, you know, thank God I didn't allow outside factors to force us into marriage because we were not ready for that when they wanted that for us. And so, um, I truly feel like if I hadn't taken a step back and focused on myself and what I wanted, I wouldn't have been able to revisit the relationship with a clear mind. You know what I mean? I think, I feel like it's because I did that and yeah, I made some mistakes along the way. And so did he, but we had to show each other that grace, you know, we had to be able to step away, decide what we wanted and, and whether it was each other, you know, and, and ultimately it was, um, but I think not enough people take that time and they jump into another relationship right away, thinking that that's what they need when they actually need themselves, you know, and we've touched a little last episode on self-love. I think we're going to touch a little more on it upcoming, but, um, I think when you're fully, you know, aware of who you are, where you are in life, what you want out of life and, the kind of person that can deliver that you have a way better chance of having a successful relationship. Do you agree? Totally. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, other than that, um, just, you know, we've talked so much already about, you know, different types of ways relationships can fail. And I think people always look at like the ugly, you know, like cheating or like abusive or like toxic relationships. That's not the case. You know, relationships can fail just because of things that we talked about, like, you know, plans, not aligning. Um, and that can be anything for plans on where to live or plans for children, or, you know, I don't know, religious, you know, compatibility, spiritual compatibility, um, political views, you know, there are like a wide array of things that can cause a relationship to fail. And I think the important thing is, you know, being able to like make those notes and, you know, recognize what those reasons are and not, you know, take that time to like analyze that um, for yourself and make sure that your standards are where they need to be the next time. Um, not falling into that, you know, that finger pointing and like victimizing yourself um, and being able to look inward and say, okay, these are the things I would like to change about myself for future relationships. And then most importantly, like allowing yourself to properly heal because a failed relationship very much does feel like um, a loss, you know, and there is a grieving process that you need to go through when a relationship falls apart and being able to like respect that grieving process. So, um, you know, that's why some people, if they fall out of a relationship because someone is, let's say, um, mean, right. Like if someone's verbally abusive to them and they're now single and they're like, well, I guess it wasn't that bad. Maybe I overreacted. Like that may just be your grief talking, you know, like that may just be you feeling lonely or feeling like hurt. And then, you know, you don't want to go backwards. You don't want to fall 
back into that same vicious cycle um, of a, a failed relationship because it's probably going to fail again unless that person starts going to like therapy or anger management. Like you need to make sure that both people are putting work in to make it, to take it to that next relationship. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. And I also think like, I think also not to say that my husband, like we, we, like you mentioned, like we had our rough patches and I think we both had to work on some things. Um, his were very different. I don't really think they were carried on from, you know, a prior relationship, but I do think he had just to work on some like personal things with himself that we just, I think together, we just had to grow up and understand what we had to fix and go on from there. Right. I 100% agree. Um, but yeah, great talk. Um, I'm definitely going to make, um, a few lists of like picking out those actual benefits. Cause I know it's a lot of conversation that we've covered. And I do hope that anyone listening, um, who is either fresh out of a failed relationship or has been in, you know, stuck in one that, you know, has failed and is not going to revive itself. Um, I hope that you're able to just take away, you know, from the episode and start to recognize maybe things that you need to make note of, you know, not just for the current relationship, but for future ones. And so, yeah, um, I appreciate you being so like open and honest and candid about your own personal experiences. I know it's not easy to do. So, um, it means a lot to me, Sarah. Um, and moving on, I did have a piece of advice, uh, that we need to offer to one of our listeners. She wrote in a while back and I particularly like waited for this episode where you and I could discuss together because you are a mother. And I felt like, um, it was only right to ask someone else who has children, um, what they think and how they feel about this, but I'm going to go ahead and I don't want to spill too many details on the personal, you know, details of her situation that she's going through. So just in summary, um, I had a mom write in asking for advice, stating that she has a stepdaughter who she's been raising since this little one was a toddler. I think she was two or three when she became, um, involved with this little girl's father. And she has raised her since then. The little girl is now seven. So she's mom, like real biological mom has been out of the picture, has never been involved. Um, she's actually been incarcerated for intoxicated manslaughter. And they've uh, recently like been notified that biological mother is going to be released from prison. So there's been a lot of mental, you know, preparation for this and anxiety and stress attached to, you know, the mother coming back into the child's life. And although the the daughter is aware that stepmom is not real mom, um, they've never really treated her any differently. She has other siblings now that she thinks of as full siblings. Like it's very much been a mom, dad, sisters situation, you know, like she's never felt singled out or anything like that. Like I can tell just by the way the mom writes in, like, this is her baby girl. Do you know what I mean, Sarah? Um, so it's just a really tough situation. And, um, before we give our input, obviously, um, my prayers are going out to you. I can't imagine what you're feeling right now. Um, but I do hope that you've secured, you know, incredible legal counsel because we obviously aren't the people to advise you in any legal way. Um, and just judging by the way 
you speak about the situation, you sound very intelligent and very prepared um, in terms of like the legal aspect. Um, she did state her fear of like bio mom wanting to fight for 50-50 custody. I don't have a legal background. I find that hard to believe that they would grant 50-50 custody to someone who's committed such a heinous crime. Um, but I don't know, you know, the justice system does fail us sometimes. And I understand where that fear is coming from. So basically what we're going to advise on is how to handle the situation with, with the daughter, like how to go about discussing it with her and, you know, things like that. What would you advise this mom, Sarah? Well, first off, I want to commend the mom for just stepping up. Not many women will do that for step, you know, step children. I have friends that just, you know, they just don't take ownership of that, that title. And it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal just to be that parent. And the fact that you love your daughter that much and that you're willing to just, you know, that it worries you. I'm sure you're losing sleep over this type of situation as I would be too. Um, You know, I can kind of relate as you have a daughter that's, you know, seven years old, my daughter's about to be seven, you know, and I think it is important to discuss, you know, kind of just be candid with her. You do have to kind of just be upfront with her, let her know, you know, mommy, your mom's going to be out um, or, you know, she is going to be coming out of prison very soon. If the daughter understands the situation, which I'm pretty sure she does, if my, you know, my daughter's pretty well versed in a lot of real world things at this time. And so, um, just let her know that, you know, you she does want to see her and, um, but I wouldn't omit that relationship from her because, you know, if, if in fact that she's has had this ongoing maybe visitation relationship with her throughout the last couple of years, um, you, you don't want to be resented when she's maybe 18 years old and saying, you know, you kept her away from me all these years, you know, this isn't the way it should be. Or, you know, even when they get to, even when they're 13 years old, you know, they start to get thinking they're, they're above the law or they know more than you do. And so I think it is important just to kind of keep that relationship with, with, you know, bio mom, but at the end of the day, you know, you are mom. I think that, you know, you all, you are all that she's ever known, you know, these last couple of years. And I I think I would hope that, you know, the bio mom would understand that you have stepped up and she is remorseful for her situation that she's in. But, um, I don't know what's going to go on with, you know, the whole legal matter of it all, but if, if there's a way that you could get supervised visits and maybe have some stipulations in that, um, agreement there, there definitely has to be some. Right. And I really wish that there were more resources out there. Cause it's so expensive to be able to afford proper legal representation. Like it feels impossible. So I do hope that you guys have access to the means and the resources necessary to be able to you know, defend your rights, because that's, I could see where the fear um, would stem from if you, you're not sure uh, what to expect. Um, I do think that at her age, she's seven years old. Um, I don't know, you know, obviously, Sarah, you talked about your seven-year-old. She's extremely advanced. Every (laughs) child does, every child is definitely different. So I don't know if she's already developed her concrete thinking yet. And if she understands like, the severity of the situation, only you know what she can handle. So definitely approach it in a way that is age appropriate and that you feel she is, you know, capable of um, absorbing. Um, One thing I will say is I grew up with the type of mother that shielded me from a lot of things. And 
you know, obviously there's no handbook to parenting that tells us exactly how to do things. And there's no promise that we're not going to screw up our kids. I'm trying to do things differently from how my mom did them. And I'm sure I'm screwing up my kids in different ways. So, um, you know, it's ultimately going to be up to you, but I feel like my mom did me a disservice in many ways, keeping things from me. And even though at the time she had my best interest at heart, children do become resentful, you know, later on, it's a lot of like what you said, Sarah, like, well, why didn't you tell me, or, you know, why didn't you let me see my mom? And, you know, you would hate to throw away such a beautiful bond and relationship that you've already established with her out of selfishness. And I don't hear selfishness from you, but I can see out of like fear for the child or like wanting to protect her, a parent wanting to prevent the the bond, you know, from being built. It's definitely something that she is going to need to decide for herself. And um, I do think that she's still at the age where you do need to be more heavily involved because she can't make decisions for herself. But you do need to slowly, you know, as she gets older, allow her to see the situation for what it is. And um, another great hope of mine is that she has come out of prison a transformed woman. You know, I would like to think that all that time away has changed her in ways that, you know, could positively impact her ability to be a mother to the child. But, you know, that's not all that's not guaranteed. So really at this point, you know, whatever communication you and your husband have, whatever you all have decided, um, just keep an open mind, pray for change to happen and trust your child, trust your child's ability to decide for themselves. Um, obviously if she's like, mommy, I don't feel comfortable. Does not, you know, respect those wishes. Your child has their own gut instincts. Um, and if they do, you know, feel like they want to develop that bond. It's hard on you. It has to be hard on you. But ultimately when you became stepmom, you had the part of you had to always know that this was going to be a possibility, you know? So hang in there, listen to what your child needs and try to deliver as painful as it can be, you know, try to do right by your child and just always be there for support. That's all you can do. And know that Sarah and I, and hopefully the rest of our listeners will be praying for you. Keep us posted. We want updates. And if there's any other way that we can help, we would be happy to. So other than that, Sarah, did you have anything else? I know you're disappointed. We didn't spill any secrets today. This was just like a heavy advice piece that I've been putting on. Casey's over there. Yeah. Casey's over there. Like you better save that achievement for me. No, I, I enjoy listening to you and uh, Casey do yeah. a cheese in the section. So I'll, <laughs> I'll save that for Casey. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't wait to have you back on. I know we definitely want to cover all things parenthood because I don't have many friends that are parents and I have a lot of listeners that do have children and, and then some who don't. So I'm trying to respect everyone, but um, I definitely want to get on with you and talk a little more about life and juggling everything, finding balance. You always amaze me the way you get it all done. And so I definitely aspire to be more like you. Um, but thank you again for hopping on and recording with me today. This episode's going to drop um, tonight at midnight. So going to get this uploaded, but um, I love you. And for those of you who haven't already, please subscribe to us 
on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a written review while you're there. If you feel like it, um, tap those five stars if you enjoy our show and follow me on Instagram at 60 Min Spill for the latest and greatest. And I hope to chat with you again soon, Sarah. Actually, you know, I'm going to text you like in two seconds. So (laughs) guys, bye. Thank you.